Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As I stated at the start of the service, our sermon series is going to focus on three words. God is here. And as we look at those words today and through the course of the next few weeks, we want those words to make a difference as God uses them to bring courage and joy to our hearts and to our lives. Today we'll see how they are life-changing words. All right, I want you to take a look at the picture on the screen. And there's a bunch of letters squeezed together in the picture on that screen. I want you just in your own mind to read those words. Maybe you divided it into three different words. God is nowhere. Feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? If you listen to the wrong people giving you the wrong idea of how terrible things are in the world, how terrible things are in our own country, or, or maybe you can even look at your own life and say, things aren't going quite the way I want them to go, it can feel just like that. God is nowhere. But we know God's promises. So, can I ask you to take a look at it a second time? And maybe some of you read it this way the first time. You can actually divide that same phrase, words, letters, into four different words. God is now here. And that's God's promise for you, isn't it? Every single day, every minute, every second, God promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. The sermon series over the course of the next few weeks is based on a book that was written by a pastor by the name of Mike Novotny. If you recognize that name, you might uh, recognize it from the fact that he is the pastor uh, that is now uh, the lead pastor on the Time of Grace uh, ministry and on their, uh, their television show every weekend. He wrote a book that I read about a year ago simply called Three Words That Will Change Your Life. And I don't know that this was on purpose but I wonder if the yellow cover was supposed to make it look like one of those self-help books that you find at Barnes & Noble. But this one's so much different because those self-help books promise certain things and don't seem to always deliver. This is so much more than self-help. This is a God-help book. And taking those three words, God is here, those are the three words that will change your life, remind us that every single day God's presence in our life is a reality. And it's a reality that changes the way that we think and changes the way that we live. And so today, on the basis of the words that we read earlier from Psalm 73, the Psalm of, of, of Asaph, we are going to take a look at those words to see that God is here is life-changing. They are life-changing words. And Asaph will help us realize first, when we recognize that God is here, that is when God is our desire. And it's also when God becomes and is our refuge. I've mentioned his name a couple of times, the name Asaph. He's the author of not just this psalm, but a dozen of the psalms of the 150 in the book of Psalms. And he was a temple musician appointed by King David. So about 1000 BC, Asaph lived. What's amazing about taking note of when he lived, he answers a question that has been on the hearts and minds of believers for centuries. Why is it that God's people seem to suffer and people who don't fear God seem to get ahead in this life? Why is it that wicked people sometimes seem to prosper in this life? Can I encourage you sometime during the course of the week to read the entire psalm, Psalm 73? Because what Asaph does is he opens up his 
life. He opens up his heart and his mind. He gets really personal about what he's thinking and feeling. And how as he looks around the world, he can't believe that God would let what is happening happen. He literally questions where God is in all of the things that are going on. He wonders if he's served God for nothing. Maybe he thinks, I should just give in and live like everybody else in this world and be successful and happy and not have to worry about all the things that I'm focused on by worshiping God. He wonders if it would be easier. Easier just to give up his faith and live as God, live without thinking about what God wanted, just as he wanted. Maybe you felt that way. Maybe you can appreciate the way Asaph is thinking. Because the truth is, when we look around our world, there certainly are times where we can wonder, is this exactly what God wants? The way this world is falling apart or seemingly falling apart, is, is that what God wants? Asaph teaches us today how to react. Even when we can't feel God's presence in our lives, even when we're not sure exactly what God is trying to accomplish, he reminds us of those words, God is here. And in those words, he reminds us that there's no reason for fear and we can trust our Heavenly Father's plan always. Will you listen again with me to the first couple verses that we looked at earlier? Psalm 73, verses 25 to 26. There Asaph writes this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph says it as simply as you can say it. There is nothing and no one else in this world that can bring what God alone can bring. That's why he can say, Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. That's our heart's desire. That's what the heart longs for, is peace with God. Then Asaph admits something else too. All else fails. There's nothing in the life of Asaph or you or me. There's no strength in the hearts that we have that can face down all of the troubles and trials of this world. It, it won't happen. My strength and my heart may fail, Asaph says. We know that that's the truth, don't we? You don't have to look very far into the past to understand that hearts and strength fail. Maybe the last year will cover it. Think of how easy it's been to be afraid. How easy it's been to wonder, is God really here? Does he really know what's happening? That sinful weakness that bubbles up in us again and again has been accentuated by a global pandemic that's turned our world upside down. And yet, Asaph says, make no mistake, our flesh and our heart may fail, but God... God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, we look and we long for help, for stability, for something that gives us answers to what's going on in this world. And that's exactly what God gives. The strength that we need to stand up under whatever comes in this life. Maybe you heard the word that Asaph used. He called God his portion. Maybe not a word that we would use very often, but the picture that the word in the original Hebrew carries was quite meaningful to the people of Israel. 
The word portion can also mean plot or inheritance. And it had to do with the fact that when the families of the Israelites moved into the promised land, they were given a portion, a plot, a piece of land that would become the inheritance of their family for the generations to come. It gave them stability. It gave them a sense of belonging. It let them know that they mattered. And so calling God our portion means it's God who brings satisfaction. It's God who brings peace. It's God who brings joy to our lives in this world. If you think of Solomon's life, there maybe isn't another person that experienced all that a Solomon did. He got to experience some of the greatest blessings this world has to offer, right? And yet at the end of his life, he could write that everything was meaningless. Why? Why did Solomon write that after all of the blessings that he experienced that it was all meaningless? He helps us understand a little bit as he writes these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Did you catch that phrase in the middle? He has set eternity in the human heart. There can't be satisfaction in a human heart. There won't be peace and joy apart from God. It's why Asaph says, Earth has nothing I desire besides you. Because what our heart longs for, what our heart needs, is peace with God that comes through our Savior Jesus. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I think back to my high school days, and yes, I know that was back to my high school days, but, but I also taught high school and that helps a little bit. And maybe some of you had this experience in high school too. The, the end of the year comes and there has to be a send-off for the seniors, right? We called ours a May banquet. Maybe you had a different name for yours. But one of the things that I remember as a feature of the last few years uh, of being a part of that was a slideshow that would happen. So we would put up the baby picture of each of the graduating seniors. And it was kind of fun. It was the past picture, right, where you tried to guess which person that was. And then the present picture was put up. That was a picture of the senior photo, the senior photo of each of the graduates. And then often was included what I would call the future slide. And it simply had the graduate answer this question, where will you be in 10 years? Maybe some of you did something similar. If you haven't, you can probably guess some of the answers, right? Oh, I plan to be married with a couple of kids. I plan to be moving up in my job and earning money, maybe lots of money, sailing my yacht around the world, traveling the globe, right? People would come up with all kinds of different answers. And I would have been no different. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm sure I wrote some of the same things. But I remember thinking to myself with each passing year, you know what's sad? It's sad that none of those things that we list as where we'll be in 10 years, none of them can bring the satisfaction that our heart truly desires, that our heart truly wants. I thought thought to myself this week, so, so what would Asaph say? What would be his answer to that question, where will you be in 10 years? And and I'm gonna take a stab at it. Maybe he would say something like this: I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna be in 10 years, but I know who will be with me. I know who will be there wherever I am in 10 years, and that's God. You see, that's an Asaph answer, isn't it? That God is here, and that God is going to be wherever we are, and that's what it means to have God as our desire, 
and to consider God our refuge as well. Listen to how Asaph talked about that in verses 27 to 28. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. As he lays bare his thoughts about the wicked prospering, in the end, Asaph can only come to one answer. There's no reason to worry. There's no reason to worry because God has this all under control. God knows exactly what's happening. He knows when the wicked seem to prosper. And he will have the final word, won't he? And that doesn't give us joy. It's not a joyful thing to hear Asaph write something like, those who are far from you will perish. We don't want that to happen. But we can rest easy that that kind of judgment is not in our hands, but in the hands of our Heavenly Father. Did you hear what Asaph said next? It's good. As for me, it is good to be near God. That's the good that you have every single day of your lives. That God is near to you and to me. He is our refuge. Asaph says, I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. Another neat picture in the original Hebrew language. The word makseh is a word that simply means refuge or shelter. But it became something that was used metaphorically then to mean a thing in which we could put our hope, that we could put our trust. Psalm 46 verse 1 uses that very same word when the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. That's what we have in our Heavenly Father, a refuge in trouble. And so when that, those fears fill our minds, when frustration mounts in our lives, it's those three words, God is here, that provide us with focus. That remind us that the storms of life, the struggles that we go through, can't change what God has already promised. And it gives us purpose and meaning for our lives. See, Asaph wrote these words 3,000 years ago. Think about that for a minute. He wrote them 3,000 years ago and they're just as applicable today as they were 3,000 years ago. Almost as if they were ripped from today's headlines, right? How, do, how would I address people living in 2021? And Asaph gives us his answer. You see, what he knew is this, that anxiety plagues people in every walk of life, in every aspect of life, through every stage of life. There's never going to be a time this side of heaven where the fears and the worries of the cares of this life aren't going to come at us and attack us and shake, try to shake our faith. Think about that for a minute. If you're a student right now, maybe your immediate anxiety or your immediate concern is the fact that you're about one week from finals week beginning, right? Yeah, that's a cause sometimes for anxiety. But it's not going to be any different when it's time to think about, well, where am I going to intern? Or where am I going to find a job? Or who am I going to marry? And then the next stage of life just brings an old, a whole new set. How do I provide for my family? How do I raise Christian children? How do I keep my marriage functional in a difficult world? And then it becomes, how do I stay healthy? How do I plan for retirement? How do I save for retirement? Do you see the point? At every stage of life, those anxieties and those fears can come. Could it be? Could it be that 
we find it difficult from time to time to hear those words, God is here, and truly put them into practice in our lives? Think of the promise. The promise that God has made you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That means in every aspect of life, in everything that you face, there's someone right with you. Your God who knows all things and has power over all things. And you know what that God did to demonstrate to you how serious he is about keeping that promise? He sent his own son. He sent Jesus to this earth. Jesus who never failed to trust his heavenly father, even when his trust in his heavenly father meant sending him to a cross where he was going to suffer the very agony of hell for you and for me. Jesus trusted his heavenly father right up to the moment of death. Then he rose from the dead to guarantee that your sins are washed away in his blood forever. Paul wrote to the Romans, if that's what God was willing to do, if he didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is here. He wants those words to permeate your heart and your mind and your life so that you trust in him in all circumstances. Jesus said the same thing in his Sermon on the Mount when he spoke these words, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. See, Jesus knew the worries that came into the human heart. And he simply says, when I am your desire, when I am your refuge, then everything else will fall into place. Then all these other things will be given to you as well. So do not worry. I have it under control. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, nothing in this world will ever give us what our hearts truly desire. No, no one else can give us the peace and the joy and the satisfaction that God alone can give. Number two, God is here. When he is our desire, we lack nothing. Every good thing that we have, everything that we need, it's found in our Heavenly Father. Finally, number three, whatever the circumstances, God is our refuge and strength. He holds in his hands all of your hopes, all of your needs, every aspect of your life as he guides you to your joy with him forever in heaven. In the book, Three, things that will, three Words That Will Change Your Life, Mike Novotny posts this question. He says, who, who could it be that could walk through those doors right now that could make the most life-changing impact on you? I suppose that's kind of interesting to talk about. Who would you pick? But I think in the back of our mind, we know the right answer, right? We know the most life-changing person who could ever walk through those doors is someone who promises he's here right now. It's our Savior Jesus. He's here. Yes, it's one thing to hear those words. It's one thing to know those words, but it's a separate thing to remember and trust them, isn't it? So let me give you an assignment for this week if you'll follow along with this. When you wake up in the morning, at least once during the day, and before you go to bed at night this week, will you just repeat those three words to yourself? God is here. And if you want to do it a lot more than three times, that would be even better. Maybe you want to write it on a little post-it note where you can see it. Put a little note in your pocket. Whatever you need to do, remind yourself at least three times every day this next week, God is here. 
and just see. See the life-changing blessings that God can bring to you through those simple words as he reminds you of his presence in your life and his love for you always. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.